This is C-SPAN's The Weekly for February 2nd, 2018. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. The American Society of Civil Engineers has rated the current American infrastructure at D plus, D like in dog, a failing grade. We don't even have a fair average infrastructure. Our guest this week is former Governor Ed Rendell, the 45th governor of Pennsylvania. He served from 2003 until 2011. He is the author of the book, A Nation of Wusses, How America's Leaders Lost the Guts to Make Us Great. He is also the co-founder of Building America's Future, along with former Republican Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger of California and former independent New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. The mission for Building America's Future, advancing massive new infrastructure investments from roads and bridges to trains and airports. Following President Trump's State of the Union speech in which this topic came up, we spoke with Governor Rendell about what's next. Governor Rendell, for more than a generation, presidents of both parties have been talking about rebuilding America. Why is it so difficult for Democrats and Republicans, Congress and the White House, to come together on a bold, major infrastructure plan? Well, basically, because everyone's scared to spend money. And they're scared to try to explain to the American people that spending money on infrastructure is an investment because it creates assets. So I'll give you a perfect example. When was the Hoover Dam built? It was built in the 1930s. It's still working to produce electricity today, 90 years later. Yes, we should spend money on assets that have a 90-year lifespan, and there's nothing wrong with doing it because it's a great investment. Every business that has grown strong in this nation spend money on its own capital and long-term needs. And we should do the same for infrastructure, but people are afraid. I once had a congressman, uh, Congressman LaTourette from from Ohio, a Republican, a good Republican, who recently passed away, and he said to me, Governor, if we voted on a secret ballot for raising the gas tax, you'd get 400 yes votes in the House and 85 to 90 yes votes in the Senate. But we don't vote for a secret ballot, and we have developed a, a, a... an atmosphere, an environment in Washington that people aren't willing to vote for any sort of revenue increase uh, at all, regardless of how good they are. And it's really silly because in the last 10 years, 70 percent of infrastructure referendums that have been on the ballot for people, which call for more, either more tolling or more taxing, have been approved by the voters. Seventy percent. In Pennsylvania, I tried to raise the gas tax. I wasn't successful because I had a Republican legislature, but I was succeeded by a Republican governor, Tom Corbett, and he uh, passed a 28 cents a gallon, phased in over five years, increase in the gas tax, which gave us the second highest gas tax in the country behind California. I came up and, and campaigned with him to get the legislature to pass the, the gas tax, and the next election, every incumbent, Democrats who voted for it, Republicans who voted for it, every incumbent was reelected. New Jersey just increased their gas tax this 2017, uh, and they increased it by 13 cents. Every incumbent who voted for it was reelected. No one lost. Is raising the gas tax the solution for America's infrastructure? No, it's part of the solution. Look, the American Society of Civil Engineers has 
rated the current American infrastructure as D plus, D like in dog, a failing grade. We don't even have a fair average infrastructure. In the last decade, we've gone from being the best infrastructure in the world, according to the World Economic Forum, to the ninth best. Uh, we have rapid, we are, our infrastructure is rapidly falling apart, and we need to, to do something, and we need to do something quickly. And uh, we, we can do it, and there's no reason that people need to be afraid because the public understands. We haven't raised our federal gas tax since 1993. Do you know what the price of a movie was in 1993? $4.14. Do you know what the price of the average movie is today? $12. Do you know what a average car cost to buy in 1993? Um Thirteen thousand, a little about fourteen thousand dollars. Today, the average car is thirty-one thousand dollars. So everything's gone up, and the public understands that they just, they're willing to pay more if they get something in return. Let's take the politics out of this for a moment. I want to ask you a couple of process questions. You served as the governor of Pennsylvania, so there really is a state and federal role when it comes to airports, bridges, oh, of roads. Course, of course, e- explain so how that works. Tax, the federal gas tax pays for a portion of what we need for our transportation infrastructure, and it's only a portion. Uh, and the president said in his speech that he's going to do something that will leverage $1.5 trillion of infrastructure spending in the next 10 years. But he said he expects the states to do their part and the private sector as well. Well, 24 states have raised their taxes, their gas tax in the last, or sales taxes to pay for infrastructure in the last four years. And they can't do any more. The private sector will invest in infrastructure projects, but but take bridges, for example. We have 60,000 structurally deficient bridges. Only 100 of them have enough traffic to sustain new tolls. So maybe the private sector could help us in those hundred because they want a reasonable return on their investment. But private sector is not going to do anything about the other 59,900. That's going to be the responsibility of the federal, state, and local governments. So you can't back away from it. The spending has to be robust. And airports, it's the same thing. And airports, is an easy solution. It's called the passenger facility charge. Right now, it's capped at uh, somewhere around $4.50 or $5, and that's nothing. The airlines routinely raise their costs $25 for, uh, to check a bag, $25 for priority seating. If we just raise the, federal, the passenger facility tax, double it to $10, we could bond off that and have all we needed to rebuild America's airports. As you travel to Japan or Western Europe and see their facilities, their airports and their roads and bridges, and their trains, what are they doing that we're not? Investing. The government's not afraid to invest in things that help their infrastructure because they know their infrastructure not only is quality of life and public safety, but they know their infrastructure leads to economic competitiveness, especially in the global marketplace. And it's the best creator Infrastructure is the best creator of good-paying middle-class jobs, 
that are blue-collar jobs where the person doesn't have to be a college graduate. These are jobs in the factories that produce the steel and the concrete and the aggregate and the timber uh, or, or or on the construction sites. So the men and women who build the roads, who, who build the bridges, who uh, extend the, our electrical grid, who fix up our dams, things like that. Um, so, so these countries are willing to invest. I was on a train in Japan that goes 317 miles an hour, and you can stand up. It runs so smoothly. You can stand up and take out a pen and pencil and write a message without your hand slipping one iota. The Acela is our fastest train in America. It's so-called high speed. It goes 160 miles an hour, but only about 10% of the line is the tracks are straight enough to let it go 160. And when it goes 160, you take your life in your hands if you want to stand up and try to go to the, go to the bathroom. So it's embarrassing when you go abroad, the state of the airports, or the trains that they have. It's absolutely embarrassing. We're the greatest country in the world. Well, not when it comes to infrastructure. And the president's proposal to make America great again, his proposal wouldn't make America's infrastructure even average again. I want to come back to that point in just a moment, but another process question. When you get money from Washington, what are the restrictions with regard to infrastructure spending in a state like Pennsylvania? Well, it has to be spent on certain things, but mostly the transportation infrastructure money we get can be spent on roads and bridges, uh, 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 things like that. We get some money for water and sewer from from the federal government. And there are some restrictions, but not not many, to be honest. I mean, for example, um, you're not allowed to toll federal highways, highways that were constructed for the use of federal funds. You're not allowed to toll those highways. But basically, there are very few restrictions. The big change that the Trump plan is is going to undertake is the relationship between state and federal funding. State and federal funding on transportation infrastructure has usually been 80% federal and 20% state. The Trump plan reverses that, makes it 20% state and 80% federal. That is essentially a death sentence for state infrastructure building or revitalization. Can you give us the history of the Pennsylvania Turnpike? Because if I'm not mistaken, that was the first major turnpike that connected Pennsylvania to the Midwest. That's correct. And it's 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 basically a pass-through road. In the sense by that, I mean people use it to get from the East Coast to the Midwest. Some of them are Pennsylvanians, but a small percentage, maybe less than a third, are Pennsylvanians. These are people passing through Pennsylvania on their way to the Midwest. So, of course, we told the Turnpike as we as we should, but the tolls don't pay for uh, all of the work that has to be done on the Turnpike. We are a cold weather state. We're a high elevation state, and we get to live in daylights knocked out of our infrastructure by the weather. What were the lessons, though, in building that Turnpike? Because anyone who travels on that today can see the ongoing construction and expansion of the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Well, the lessons are to build it in a way that you leave room for expansion. Don't landlock you. When they built the Google Expressway, they had no room for expansion. It's very hard. It is locked in in many places. People say, why can't the expressway be more than four, two lanes each way, which it is in certain spots? It's because they didn't 
have any foresight when they build it. You mentioned the president's State of the Union address. Here's what he told members of Congress and the American people Tuesday evening. Tonight, I'm calling on Congress to produce a bill that generates at least $1.5 trillion for the new infrastructure investment that our country so desperately needs. Every federal dollar should be leveraged by partnering with state and local governments and, where appropriate, tapping into private sector investment to permanently fix the infrastructure deficit, and we can do it. Governor Rendell, that was the president Tuesday evening. What did you hear? Baloney. I didn't hear one concrete way of how we're going to leverage all this money. And the draft proposal that was circulated last week, the president calls for spending $200 billion over 10 years of federal money. And that federal money is not going to come from new revenue. It's going to be taken from other federal programs. And it amounts to $20 billion a year, which is exactly one-tenth, 10% of what the American Society of Civil Engineers say we have to spend additionally to get our infrastructure up to fair condition. One-tenth. Where the president thinks that $20 billion is going to leverage uh, 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 over the course of 10 years, that $200 billion is going to leverage another $1.3 trillion of state and private money. He's, either he doesn't understand how infrastructure works or he's misleading the American people. That federal investment will not make America great again. It won't make America's infrastructure even average again. Governor Rundell, as you know, the Congress passed a tax cut that will total over a trillion dollars over the next decade. We also have a $20 trillion national debt. So can we do that looking at the numbers and also invest more than a trillion dollars in America's roads and bridges? Well, again, let me stress, no one's expecting the federal government to invest $1.5 trillion over 10 years. That has to come from federal investment, state investment, and private investment. But $200 billion is... About 15% of that money would come from the federal government and the Trump plan. That's a pathetic investment. It's not the type of robust investment we need. We need the federal government to probably do at least half of that $1.5 trillion, maybe two-thirds of it. Um, so how can they do it? Well, first, let's raise the gas tax. Let's tell the American people the truth. The American infrastructure is falling apart. We need to do something about it. And if we raise the gas tax $0.10 cents a gallon... We would produce about another $190, $200 billion over the course of 10 years. So that would take the federal investment up to $400 billion. Then I have a suggestion for these fellows in Washington. We just gave about 1,000 real estate developers a tax break in the Tax Reform Act that will cost the federal government $340 billion in revenue in the next 10 years. Let me repeat that. That's $340 billion dollars in tax breaks for a thousand real estate developers and only two hundred billion dollars in spending for three hundred and forty million Americans? Doesn't sound exactly right to me. So let's repeal that tax break and let's use that three hundred and forty one billion dollars. And now we're up to seven hundred and forty one billion, which is roughly fifty percent of the investment that we need. Not hard. A thousand real estate developers don't get a little richer. 
people, the average driver with a 10% increase in the gas tax would pay about $120 more at the pump uh, a year. Not so hard, not so difficult, and we're there. And we've got a, a robust federal investment, which could key uh, $1.5 trillion of infrastructure spending. And Governor Rendell, and remember, let me, let me just say this remember, one, one thing we want to tell the American people is you, 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 the average taxpayer may say, why do I want to spend $120 more? Well, the reason you do is because of the cost of doing nothing. The Texas Transportation Institute has indi- indicated that the average American loses over $800 a year, either in damage to his car, his tires, or in gasoline wasted in uh, sitting in traffic and not going anywhere in idling. So the cost of doing nothing is about five times greater than the cost of doing something. And also during the winter, we see that with potholes uh, throughout the Northeast. If you lose one tire because you went over a pothole, if you lose one tire, that's $250. That's twice the cost of, uh, of a 10 percent increase in the gas tax. Governor, let me take this one step further, because in a recent essay, you're proposing, among other things, the Build America bonds and establishing a national infrastructure bank. Explain what these are. Well, Build American Bonds was one of the more successful parts of the economic stimulus, the president's economic stimulus. The federal government paid for um, 35% of the debt service for states and localities to borrow money to build their infrastructure. And these bonds, these Build America Bonds, are taxable, unlike state bonds. So the federal government gets money for the Treasury. But at 35% of the debt service that they had to pay for the to help the states, the federal government lost money. It, it increased the deficit and the debt. What we're suggesting is to lower the percentage of money that the federal government will help states and locals, local governments pay for in debt service to 28%, because at 28%, the taxes that it, the bonds give off roughly would make it a zero impact on the federal budget. So it wouldn't increase the debt or the deficit at all. You wouldn't need extra money for it. And yet it would be a tremendous help to states and localities to generate more money for infrastructure. And the National Infrastructure Bank, is that the same concept? National Infrastructure Bank is based on something that the European Union has. The European Union has a infrastructure bank, which all of the countries contribute. But they contribute money that is basically loan guarantee money and or loans themselves or outright loans and they make money on the their investment they make about two percent a year and that pays for the administrative costs of the bank so it has no impact on the budgets of those countries because it's either loan guarantees or loans and a dramatic percentage 95 percent of all those loans or loan guarantees are paid back or uh, so there's not only no money lost they pay back with a very small rate of interest, and so they actually make money on it. So the infrastructure bank would help foster private investment, which the president says he wants to do. And you mentioned earlier about the toll roads, and we've seen a rise of a public-private partnership with toll roads in many parts of the country. Is it working? It is. It, uh, it helps build expansions to, to, to toll roads. So under the law, the current federal law, if a federal government contributed to the building of a road, you can't toll the road itself. 
you can toll for expansion of the road, so for a hot lane or a priority lane. And you've seen that a little bit on I-95, especially in the eastern part of the country. When they do a hot lane, they can use tolls to pay for that. So if the road is not a toll road, you can't put a toll on that road now, but you can put a toll on the extended, the, the expanded part of the road, the hot lane, the priority lane, etc. But that's not as good as allowing tolls to be placed on all roads. It's a state decision. The state will have to, to, to take the burden of making that decision. But in most cases, it's a user fee. And, uh, tolls are user fees, and people are more likely to be okay with user fees than they are with just a broad tax increase. Let me conclude with these final two points. First of all, what should America's priorities be? What needs to be done first, most immediately? Well, there's so much to be done. Remember, we have a D-plus in infrastructure, and that's not just in roads and bridges. That's everything. Our electrical grid is in terrible condition, and it's insufficient. So, for example, in my home state of Pennsylvania, the electrical grid can't take with the highest elevation state east of the Mississippi uh, and we produce a lot of wind energy, but we have trouble getting that wind energy to the population centers because of our, our electrical grid is insufficient. So we need to repair the electrical grid. We need to fix up our roads, bridges, and, and highways. We need to redo our airports and, and our system for uh, replace the old radar system with a new GPS system for uh, air traffic control. We need to rebuild America's ports because that's where economic growth occurs by having strong ports that can take these new big deep water Panamax ships, and, and most of our ports aren't equipped to do that. So there's so much. Our water and sewer uh, systems uh, are, are, are no good. In cold weather, and older cold weather locations, the, the water pipes themselves burst all the time when there's cold weather followed by warm weather. Because some of those pipes, when I was mayor of Philadelphia, we had about 45, 50 days where the temperature was below freezing. And then in the next day after that, it skyrocketed to 60 degrees, and pipes were bursting all over the city. I called in my water commissioner. I said, what's going on? Why are so many pipes burst? He said, Mayor, you're not going to believe this, but a lot of those pipes were laid in the 19th century in the end of the 19th century, in the 1890s, 1880s. And they're not built the way pipes are built today to, to withstand the changes in temperature. We, we've got to rebuild so much, and our public safety depends on it. How many bridge collapses, how many pipelines burst before we do something about our infrastructure? We've got to do it because it'll improve our quality of life. It'll make us more economically competitive with the rest of the world. And lastly... If we went on this program that the American Society of Civil Engineers suggests, an additional $200 billion of infrastructure spending a year for 10 years, that would produce for 10 years 4.25 million new jobs in manufacturing and in construction that pay somewhere between sixty dollars and $90,000 a year. Let me conclude. What could We're... be better for the American economy? What could be better? Well, let me conclude on that point and where we began. Then, why so much inaction over such a long period of time, and just how far behind is America compared to, say, Western Europe? 
Well, we're at a D plus, and the ASC says that if we did spend this $2 trillion in the next 10 years on infrastructure, that would just give us a fair to good infrastructure and not a great infrastructure. And we're now behind eight countries in the competitiveness of the American infrastructure. And each year we wait, we fall farther and farther behind. And by the way, guess who raised the gas tax? The great Ronald Reagan. And he said something that was very interesting. He said, why would we put off for five years something that we need to do today when it only is going to be twice as expensive five years down the road? Ronald Reagan was a pretty smart guy. Governor Ed Rendell joining us from Philadelphia. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure. You've been listening to C-SPAN's The Weekly. Be sure to follow C-SPAN Radio on Twitter to learn about upcoming episodes. And by the way, every C-SPAN podcast is available on the free C-SPAN Radio app, as well as Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. If you like the program, please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening.